1: everyone welcome again to another edition of Big Chris Live the live stream and then the podcast which you can find everywhere you find podcasts apple podcasts spotify deanblundell.com our podcast network host and thanks to those who are tuning into our live stream here. By the way, Dean Blundell from that very same website is here, part of this panel tonight, because he is a big Oak Island fan. going to introduce the rest of the panel in just a few seconds. Thank you again for your subscriptions. If you have chance to leave us a rating in the Apple Podcasts, we've had a few great ones lately. All five stars, I'm happy to say, but I'll take a three or a two, even if you feel that way, by all means... I just love the feedback, um, but so far, so good. And also, April, just as a quick brag, humble brag, uh, best listened to month yet on the podcast for audio listeners and also for video. We had our most viewed episode as well, over uh, three and a half thousand views on that video. Yes. All right, everyone. Dean Blundell is here, but also in the upper right-hand corner, Bob. Hi, Bob.
2: Hey, guys. (laughs)
1: Bob is I'm probably
2: gonna forget that I'm on mute a lot
1: tonight. It's okay. No, you don't have to mute yourself. Stay keep it loose, baby. Uh Bob is uh the reason I know Bob is he is the very first person to call into Big One oh one after we launched and we launched our morning show at five thirty two AM on August the twenty third, two thousand and sixteen. I heard Bob's voice. He has followed the show since then, he follows the podcast and he also loves Oak Island, so he's here. Hello, Bob. Hello, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> that's it. Hey, eh? that's what? all you got to say? Jeez, you talk that's my ear. To you say. talk my fucking ear off every morning. I'm like, "Man, I got a 3-minute Steve Miller song, Bob. What do you <laughs> what do you want to talk about?" And you talk for 9 minutes, man. Now yeah, you're well, all got,
2: You got other guests. I um, don't want to take all the air time. <laughs> all
1: right, fair enough. And in the upper left-hand corner, a longtime friend and collaborator, Kent Stewart, retired major of the Canadian Forces, now working for Callian Group in Ottawa. And, uh, and uh, just a history buff. There is always, when I have a question about something, military history or otherwise, I always know that I can go to you, my friend.
0: My pleasure, sir.
1: Also, if you scroll back in our episodes, episode three of this podcast was on November the 10th. It was titled My Favorite Veteran, because Kent is my favorite veteran. So thank you again for your service. We opened up the podcast with a picture of... The Oak Island map, which I had on my wall as a sixth grader, and it was just sort of a perfect storm of things. I was given an assignment in sixth grade to study Oak Island. It was a class project and the mystery surrounding it, but I was also at the time reading Treasure Island, reading Kidnapped, as many young 11, 12 year old boys did at the time. I don't know, do they still read those books, but I hope they do. Um, And it's probably one of the only times I ever enjoyed school. And I had that map up on my wall. My dad took me to Nova Scotia uh, some years later in eighth grade to visit Oak Island. I looked down one of those tube things. There was nothing going on at the time. I thought it was a shame. There's some infighting over the property, but uh, no digging was taking place. It was a bit underwhelming, but I've always followed this. And I'm great to, to have you guys on the podcast too talk about oak island the season finale of the tv series the curse of oak island wrapped up last week i hope we're all up to date are we
0: yeah oh yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Big time. yeah I, f- I figured we were so let's start when did you first discover oak island that's my origin story we'll start with you dean
3: um geez it's got to be the first time they stuffed a diver down one of those holes what scared the crap out of me i was like <laughs> that is insane I, that's all i could think of and i remember stumbling across the show and I see these two old dudes and they're standing in front of this hole and they're dropping this diver down. I'm like, hold it. Cause I'm like deathly afraid of water, especially deep water and I can't yeah. see it. It's just fear of the unknown. And I was just shook by the fact that they were just looking for treasure down this hole. Like I, and I didn't know anything about it. Like, unlike you, I didn't study it in the, when I was in the sixth yeah. grade. I didn't um, look at any source material. I didn't realize that Oak Island had the history that it had. Um, but always intrigued by the Freemasons, the Knights Templar. And so when they started to kind of wrap that up and Gary found the, the Bobby Dazzler uh, cross, the Templar cross, <laughs> yeah. I was absolutely, and they checked the origin of it where they did the, uh, I think it's called blaze testing where they, where they, they tested it and they realized where it came from uh, the era that it came from, which was, I believe like 1400s, 1500s in that yeah. time frame, uh, for you know, 15th, 16th century. in. I was hooked. I was hooked because I love the history behind it, and then you know, to think of the history that it's changing as we're uncovering new things and uh, changing timelines about the first settlers, and you know, they're they're getting into the Samuel Ball estate and realizing a lot about yeah. him, and you know, it's just it's uncovering parts of Canada, and and that's what I love about it. And honest to God, if you want to brass tax it, why I love it, my dream is to be a twelve-year-old boy for the rest of my fucking life. And these guys get to do it. They get to dig in the dirt every single day and find shit that no one's seen for literally hundreds and hundreds of years. It's just a terrific show.
1: Yeah, uh, I uh, I agree with wanting to be 12 years old forever. You're doing a good job, though, with the podcast network, by the way. That uh, merger the other day was big news.
3: Yeah, yeah, it was good. We didn't have to dig much for that. <laughs> but it was, uh, uh, we love it, man. And, and it's great because like, podcasting is so niche, right? Like I can literally... Get excited to get on a podcast tonight, which is work for me, but it's not because we're talking to uh, someone who's given uh, his his life and service to the country, who loves the whole thing. I'm talking to you, and I know how much you love it. I got to meet Bob, who just looks stoked. Look at him, He's <laughs> drinking an orange drink. It looks like I I I, I it could be Fanta. Uh, there you go. It's a yeah. There you are. And, nice. and, and and when do we get to do this with listeners? It's the best.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's great to go deep on this topic because I've been waiting to do this forever. And I was like, okay, let's just wait till the season finale. Let's see where we have the latest information we could possibly have.
3: I wanted to do it too, but I always thought it was too nerdy to do a whole podcast about
1: Treasure, right? <laughs> my wife questions it don't worry <laughs> there's still there's still people questioning why we're doing this don't worry Melanie
2: morning show co host yeah Melanie
1: yeah. Martin <laughs> this morning was like Bob called in and said hey so nine o'clock tonight and Melanie's like you're having fucking Bob on to talk about Oak Island I'm like well <laughs> yes yes I am yeah. so yeah, fucking because when we
3: find people as weird as us we hang on to them we're like exactly. dude, dude, you gotta come on the
2: show we're all weird together
1: yeah exactly weirdo roundtable all right, Bob, so over to you. Oak Island, how did you discover it?
2: Uh, I was a big fan of the History Channel and just saw a promo. I thought, well, what's this? And I, I've been a viewer since episode one.
1: Okay, so both you guys discovered it through the TV series. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Kent, what about you? Where was your first Oak Island experience? Does it go as deep okay. as mine?
0: Put your helmets on. <laughs> so like you, I learned about Oak Island and like the Laginas, I read that, uh, uh,
1: oh, the reader's digest,
0: the reader's digest version when I was in school and I was again, one of those, like you, I love to read, I loved all that intrigue. And at that time it was like one of those things I would love to go to Nova Scotia. I would love to see this place. Just, just try to drink it in. It wasn't until I, I was, uh, my first couple of years as a young officer in the military, I was in Gagetown, New Brunswick, and there's a fellow by the name of General Amy. He's a World War II veteran. Uh, he was a general officer or made it to the rank of general during the war. Uh, you know, fought Normandy all the way through to the end. And um, he lived, grew up in Chester, Mahone Bay. So one of the first tasks I had as a junior officer was to be his aide. Be his aide de camp. So he's retired, and he's he does things you know as a retired uh, general officer does and comes and spends time with the troops and does all that so I had to drive to Mahone Bay from Gagetown a good long jaunt uh, and pick up General Amy and bring him back to Gagetown so I drove down I've never met General Amy but when I'm getting there I'm going this is close to Oak Island this is crazy <laughs> so the whole way back from picking him up and driving him back to the base in Gagetown which is about a six hour drive all we talked about was his youth growing up in Mahone Bay and talking about all the things, Oak Island, that that he remembered and the things that were happening through his childhood all the way through to coming home. And then, of course, later on when, you know, some of the big digs started to take place on the island with uh, Blankenship and, and uh, the other fellow there that uh, they wanted to put the great big honk and Tubes down. They were the first ones with the whole. What was it? Uh, uh, oil, the uh, from the train cars. The,
2: uh, the caissons. Oh yeah, the go. giant really caissons, was, right?
0: Though, from the from the from the train cars. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I I got all of his stories from his youth, but there was a mixture of everything from Captain Kidd to vikings to you name it, it was so that amazing. was
1: when i was a kid it was all about pirates and i thought it was i'm wearing my pirate shirt tonight you know i i mean it that's how i got hooked but it's clearly and we'll get into this as as we talk more about what's going on currently with oak island but it's it's looking like pirates maybe not really part of the thing but that was the fantasy was it it was pirate treasure captain kid's treasure or viking treasure uh but yeah not the case
0: Uh, Yeah, general amy often said he goes pirates doesn't make sense because he goes these are they're just like soldiers they talk and these stories would spread and and you could never it's like you know you'd have to kill the whole crew to keep it a secret because they are either going to find a way to come back to dig it up themselves because they were there as part of the crew so uh general amy wasn't a big believer in pirates either he said it was always something he said it was probably something from the Revolutionary War. That's what he believed.
1: That's one of the uh, theories that's floating around out there.
0: Uh, but I, 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 again, when you're dealing with soldiers, sailors, people talk. People tell yeah. tales. People tell their families. They pass things on to their kids to say, guess what I did when I was in the war? And those stories, they perpetuate through time. And-
3: general, can I just ask you a question? If, if you're saying soldiers can't be trusted. Can we trust you in this podcast? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay, good.
0: good. <laughs> I, I will spit a tail so deep. Oh,
1: good. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the thing. It, it you know, it. Right. You know, we'll get into the the specifics of what we've gotten up to date with, I guess, in a moment. But like, the, there's a new road that they've discovered in the latest season, which dates back to the 1400s. I mean. That's way before anyone thought that there was any activity or anything happening on that island. This roadway looks like it was a pier. Looks like they were offloading something huge with ox shoes so they had actual beasts of burden to haul stuff. I mean, this could be... Well, why would
0: you need a road? Why else would you need a road to sustain the weight?
1: But the road would not have been built overnight in the cover of night. I mean, this and they had campfires, which means they were working 24-7 on it. But they couldn't. They would have taken what months?
3: Well, they said, years. My theory is, yeah, that, that that my understanding is is if if I'm not mistaken, uh, Kent is, and Bob, it, it's it's been happening and did happen for years. Is that you know some of the spikes specifically? And if and if you haven't watched the show this year, as as you you pointed out, they uncovered yeah. this road uh, in a swamp, a man made swamp uh, that's a perfect triangle. And the road really kind of runs along through it. I, I believe it was like 600 meters or 600 feet and everything was graded perfectly. The road that was put down was cobbled with, uh, you know, different pieces of rock that were perfect sizes. There were, there was cribbing under parts of the road as well. Yeah. And that was literally, and, and, and you know, as, as someone who loves history, if, if you've ever been to Dublin and you realize how young Canada is, um, You know, it's not that old when you think about it, but it's life changing and and history changing in the country. When you think about that would have been probably the first cobble road ever put in the country. Right. Yeah. And they uncover this road and the engineering that went behind it. And their theory is and and I like this theory and I'd love to know what you guys think is that it, it took several years for them to prep that area for them to get it to the point where. They could do the work where they could lower what they needed to lower into it, whether it's the Ark of the Covenant or whether it's Shakespeare's great work, uh, whatever it is, billions in, in silver and gold, uh, uh, Bobby Dazzler's, what, what have you. Mm-hmm. But the, these, these things, uh, it required that kind of time, which I think is really incredible when you think it just speaks to that kind of treasure and how important that was and what must still be down there.
1: Yeah, there's no way, I don't think that that anybody's gotten to it. I mean, I'd like to think, I mean, there's some conjecture over that. And for those who are are unfamiliar with this and who are just playing along for the first 14 minutes of this podcast and being like, all right, what's this Oak Island thing all about? I'll quickly just run down the sort of history in that it was in the 1800s that they found a shaft. Oh, sorry. They found a, I'm pushing all the wrong buttons here. There's the picture of the shaft right there, which went down several ways with different layers of all sorts of stuff. And then they found a stone at 90 feet, which had a weird inscription on it, which I believe there it is right there. That's a picture. That's a replica of the stone, because that's another mystery. They don't know where the stone is, but the translation they think they had said that something like 40 million pounds is 90 feet below or something to that kind of translation. Like it indicated...
3: Quick question. Did they not find the stone underneath like an old library?
1: No, does, they proved is, it is wrong. They proved that that wasn't oh, it. Did they? Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. I want to know where the stone is because, you know, you talk about the secrecy or how there's no evidence of them even building a road or, or any oral history uh, of anything happening on the island. Well, where did the stone go? Like, is there a modern-day cover-up? I mean, that's taking things a little far. But that, for me, I wonder if there's still an organization that does not want that treasure found. Is that too far to go?
0: Well, uh, I, I think the stone is one of those. I think it's part of the myth. I don't actually don't believe that there was a stone, to be honest. Really? I think that was part of the the uh, the the marketing, if you were, if you will, uh, to keep people interested and to invest in the early uh, groups that were digging there. They thought there was something there, but to keep people interested, we had to come up with something. But but why would you put a stone if you're the if you're the depositor, why would you need mm-hmm. anything to indicate how much is down there?
1: That's yeah. true. I mean, yeah, why? that's true.
0: You only worked for about seven years
3: putting it there and you're gonna leave a stone going, here it is.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and and we'll have a whole like uh uh manuscript with all the expenditures and everything a ledger if you will <laughs> you know that's what it that's what it was it's going to lay it all out for you here's how much you can spend
0: yeah
1: but this so giant I, it's just like I an atm receipt expense. yeah it's an atm receipt bob yeah <laughs> the but one. this yeah. The, you know this shaft that was down there uh you know they ended up after getting down there you can see in the diagram on the screen for those who are watching that there are flood tunnels that were attached to it and then here's where the flood tunnels are allegedly coming from this has been investigated by the tv series as well that there are flood tunnels that come out from the ocean in uh certain types of drains and then they flooded the shaft and the treasure hunters were not able to get down deep enough they dug multiple, the whole island is a pin cushion by now because it's been over 200 years of people digging shafts, trying to get in, get down, get here, get there, which has also made the investigation pretty difficult uh, on the behalf of the guys who were doing the TV show. Because how do you know what you're pulling up right now? We've Oh, we found a shaft. Well, from when in the last 200 years? So that creates a lot of... Like there's the the storytelling conjecture or the storytelling uh, mistruths, whether it's the 90 foot stone or other stories that have been told about the the history of Oak Island. But then there's also just being able to figure out what's what uh, underground, which I think is, is part of the mystery unto itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
3: it is. It's funny. It's weird because you know, you, you, um, every week you watch and every week you get excited because they're uncovering something. And and I feel like it's part of the, as Kent was saying, there's a bit of a sales job with the TV show too, if, if yeah. I'm to be brutally honest. I do love it. But every time the voice guy cuts in and goes, is this where the treasure actually is? That happens 25 times a show. Right? Yeah. So And they'll pull up like a piece of leather from a 400-year-old boot, and we'll all get excited.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, I mean, we are. We're getting excited over... Like a a bit of leather from a boot, a buckle, a a button, you know, things like that. But, you know, these are significant in terms of the overall question that I think a lot of us come back to is, who the hell was this? I mean, sure, we want to see the treasure. We want to know the treasure. But the other thing that's stringing me along, at least, is who was it? Does anyone want to kick off our roundtable on conspiracies or, or theories as to who it was?
2: I think Bob does.
1: Yeah, Bob, you've been quiet over there. What do you think? Well, no, I was
2: going to say that uh, I may not want to say stuff because I might look as foolish as some of the guests they've had with their theories on the show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's been some good ones.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, just look up at the stars and line up these things. And yeah, it's exactly precise. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the astrology ones are such a stretch for me too. Yeah, I hear you, man.
2: Right I'm down ha- to the micron. <laughs> I'm happy to start if
0: you, if you want. I could volunteer. All
2: right. Please go ahead.
0: OK, so we all know the Vikings came to North America in, you know, around 10,000 or sorry, 1000 uh, AD. Yeah. And Lanza Meadows is there. It's proof positive. But if you know, we really have to understand how these people worked and they were they were avid travelers and they would have not have stopped just there. They would have kept going. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that uh, that they traveled down. Uh, as far as Martha's Vineyard, you know, the, the whole idea of, of uh, Vinland in their, in their saga. So I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that because of their, the, their technology that they had, and they were, they were voracious traders and voracious travelers, they probably went further than Lonson and Meadows and, and further down the Atlantic coast. Which brings me to the next piece, and I'm just going to try to do this in quick little bits. When the Vikings were being, uh, you know, Christianized, to use that that term, or Catholic, you know, Catholicism was was starting to, to reach them. Uh, you know, they had friars and, and uh, you know religious people that would that would travel with them and go to their uh, uh, to their to their homesteads where they were, you know, where they're where they're all set up. And these are the people because they could read and write, they would actually start writing down the sagas of the Vikings. And in, of particular uh, interest to these people is where they say they've been and trying to trace, you know, they've been here, they talk about traveling here and finding these things. And to these early uh, friars and these uh, the Catholics who were writing all this stuff down, all that information goes back where? The Vatican. All that information mm. is being sent back to the center of Catholicism at the time, and then as you get closer into, you know, the 12, the 1300s, as we start to see the appearance of the Templars. Templars were the educated; they were the they were the most of the the, the senior people. They were, they were chosen from very wealthy families, and they were, they could also read, they could write. But this is the the beginnings of of the modern day uh, engineers. And so who has access now to all of the information that's resident in the Vatican? They do. And they are just drinking it up and they're reading all these things about where people have traveled. And these Vikings, of course, have got these amazing ships and, and early Templars. They were all over the Mediterranean. They were, they were not only soldiers, but they were great sailors as well. Their technology to build ships to travel the Mediterranean and they traveled from the Mediterranean into the North Atlantic, into the North Sea, mm-hmm. to Great Britain, et cetera, et cetera. So these people knew how to sail. And I am a firm believer that the information that they read about in the Vatican, in the in the archives there of all these people writing about the sagas, and it's not just Vikings either. There's Germanic people and et cetera, et cetera. But the, this information is now resident there. And the people who can read and write, they're just drinking it in. So as the Templars become more and more powerful, and they become the, the holders of such huge amounts of wealth, you know, which is, and again, we were talking earlier, it's never been found or never been uncovered, and it had to have gone somewhere. And so this all starts to, as, as you watch the Templars moving uh, to the uh, east of Europe, you know, as it's you know into Portugal and then into Scotland. Uh, and then you bring in the Sinclair theory of the uh, of Nova Scotia, and here's a fellow with Templar roots, Templar connections. It's the Rosalind Chapel story, all of these things, and he now takes everything, takes it on a on a voyage and gets to Nova Scotia. Now you get into the Mi'kmaq people, the uh, the 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 Indigenous people of of this area, who now have their 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 deity being a guy by the name of Glooscap. And the early renditions of Glooscap looks exactly like a what? A Templar knight. Interesting. All with the, all with the deal. And, and when you talk about the, the Mi'kmaq oral history, they talk about Glooscap being white-skinned, being you know bearded. Uh, and and the Mi'kmaq hmm. flags that they use now, their, their uh, identifier flag is a mirror image of a Templar battle flag. Interesting. So these 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 connections are incredibly it's too too good to be true and although a lot of historians will poo poo it say no 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 how do you get these ideas how do you have this oral history if it's not based upon well, something that they have seen.
1: I like Kent how you've thought about how did the Templars know where Nova Scotia was or where where North America was because some of these roads are built in the 1400s that we we're we were talking about earlier, and so let's, so so and, and, and they like, had to be like, here before Europe Templars, Europeans came, right?
0: The Templars built castles during the Crusade. Yeah. We're talking about
1: engineers huge
0: castles, which also had. You know, they built early roads through uh, through the Middle East to, to, I mean, even where I was in Syria, the ford across the Jordan River, there were two forts on both sides, and they built a road through the ford so they, they could keep, you know, using it to go back and forth across the ford instead yeah. of getting stuck in the mud. So these people had the technology to build this stuff and they were very, very smart. So okay. I, I just think that the connection with the information that's resident at, at the Vatican, it's too good to be true that all of the, the educated people who are in and out of there, they've got this information. They know there's a, another landmass out there somewhere. And where do we take all of our, our wealth before it's, before it's reclaimed, yeah, because it wasn't yeah.
1: safe anywhere in Europe or in the UK because they yeah. they were marked at that time too as well. That's interesting. Ken. They, uh, sorry. Sorry, I was going to say that that's also everyone's favorite theory too. I think to go to is to who done it is the Templars, but that's a way more. I, I love the description and I love how you, you sort of presented it there.
0: Well, the the Templar theory, and I, I'm going to I'm going to temp, temper it by saying by this time you now have the, the last remnants of what Templars were. So you figure the end of the Viking era was 1066. We're talking about the battle of Hastings. It's William, the conqueror. That's the end of the Viking regime. That's when everything stops really for the Viking people. But then you're starting to have people become more educated. They start to read and write. It's not just, there's a lot of Latin, yeah. of course, but, but there's, there's that thing. So it's, The way Catholicism is moving through Europe and Northern Europe at the time and converting people is important to the story of how things are moving. And Catholicism also, I hate to say it, but it did bring us a lot more education because people had to learn how to read the Bible, et cetera, et cetera. So you had people starting to read and write. So it's important to know that piece.
1: Yeah, it's more now, so Casals isn't the later years that I have a problem yeah. with.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure it was all over the place from the time Well,
1: that's true, yeah.
0: But it's interesting how, you know, when we start talking about the occupation of, of Nova Scotia, you know, this idea of cap and... That's cool. Uh,
1: I'd never heard that before. That's uh, wild.
0: Mi'kmaq oral history is, is fascinating. And and so this is the piece that I think that... that Historians are afraid to tread upon uh, for some reason, but there's a lot of connections here with the Mi'kmaq people. And because it's oral history, for the most part, it's it's either been forgotten Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. it's, well, forgotten is really the the big part of it. So it's hard to believe that something over at Oak Island, having to build all these things would take years and years. And not to mention the amount of people it would take to build what they've done there.
1: And the dedication to a cause or to a united cause or a n- united creed that would would compel you to stay quiet about it. That's the other Correct. thing. Right, yeah. Correct. So all right.
0: how do you hide all these people? How do you feed them? How do you hide, you know, this is the one thing that they haven't found on Oak Island is like the midden piles, you know, like like these, where's the garbage heaps? Yeah. Did it all just go back into the ocean? I mean, you can't hide hundreds of people doing all this work. How do you do that?
1: Kent's going with Templars. So <laughs>
0: I well I wanted to temper that, saying this is yeah. what the Templars sort of you know, they're being killed off. They seem the most
1: it seems like the right place, right time, the right ability as well, because again, I wanted it to be pirates when I was a kid. But now after seeing this, I'm like, pirates aren't fucking smart enough to do all that. The amount of engineering that it would take to build a money pit like that with booby traps coming in from the ocean, to have to build that road, there's no way pirates could have done that whatsoever. Not
0: to mention the how do you use cocoa or a coconut fiber to actually you know filter out the sand that's coming through those through those uh box drains yeah the drains that's yeah ingenious yeah so you had to have had some idea of what was what co what coconut fiber was yeah And how would you know that
1: yeah um anyone else want to rebut that or have any other inputs on who done it because I think Kent <laughs> you really laid it down, man
3: <laughs> yeah did he ever totally Yeah.
1: Uh, and,
3: and you know what the, the crazy part about what, what ken is is and i don't think it's crazy at all but you know that's a whole other story arc when you think about the biking aspect the recorded sagas and how they went back to try and figure out exactly how the you know the world had been conquered before hundreds of years before other people did right that's what the catholics did they went and scooped information from people back then So that, that, that's amazing. I mean, I, I, I hadn't quite put that together, but it also would describe the surgical precision in the context of the time with which they were able to, you know um, know when to go over uh, from wherever they came from Uh, shipping lanes, not that we have shipping lanes back then, but like, you know, seasonal stuff when it comes to being able to make your way over there. And then if you think about uh, that, then the other parts of the story kind of make sense too, right? In my mind, which is if they were at this for seven years, they knew what they were going to build. Like who just shows up with coconut fiber to a dig? Like you know this thing was planned, <laughs> yeah, and planned so well. And in in the, in the in the in the again context of the time, you know to be able to think about using coconut fiber to be able to silt those box drains in 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 a time when probably no one had thought that far ahead. Of of a use for coconut fiber, other than what they were doing. So it's I I completely not just buy what what uh, what Kent's saying. Um, I I think that's incredibly plausible. Where where the Templar story sort of takes a turn for me is all the shit that they found on Samuel Ball's property this year, specifically. That's been big. Know, the, the, the officers' button, right? The British officers' button. And and there's such a massive hole there now because if we go from you know Vikings to Templars and, and which is incredibly pl- plausible if you consider what they say is actually buried there and then just going through the parlance of that conversation, that that it makes less sense than that they're finding all this shit on the ball property, you know mm-hmm. t- to think about okay if that's if 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 the Templars knew about it and. And this is now 100 or maybe, fuck, jeez, 200, two, 300 years after the fact that Samuel L. Ball is there and, and, and he might have met with an officer in his house. Uh, we don't know. We know they found a button there. That that button, that one silly button turned yeah. this story almost upside down in, in, in one sense. Because I don't know how we go from Templars to British officers, you know, in the 1700s. And well, that, that's... That's where I'm. That's where I'm a little messed in the story. And Samuel
1: Ball has always been kind of there, lurking, you know, over the whole whole story in itself. And for those again who are playing catch up or just playing along with our with our fantasy of Oak Island here tonight on the show, um, Samuel Ball was has a really interesting backstory in that he was an American slave who escaped America or or was freed, but became part of the British Empire. He decided to be a loyalist. And so that, obviously, the American Revolution, he's like, no, I'm with the Brits, peace. And he went north to Canada, and for his loyalty, the British gave him some land in Nova Scotia on Oak Island. But then, this is where it thickens, he became one of the wealthiest people in all of Nova Scotia, and he was a cabbage farmer. And everyone's like, hang on a second, how did he get so rich? Is cabbage, like, I guess cabbage was bigger back then. I know cabbage isn't as hot these days.
0: We have to temper this with with some other information. So, yes, he was a slave, but he was he was made a free man because of the revolution. Right. And he was actually given a pension by the British government. And so, in the census material for the time, he's actually named as the uh, the governor of Oak Island. And so he was actually given a stipend hmm. to to look after the island. Now, I'm I I am one of those people that. Because of what was happening in North America during you know the later part of the of the uh, 1700s so you had lots of wars the big one being the revolution that kind of set the stage for uh, for, for uh, Nova Scotia being uh, British North America so
1: mm-hmm.
0: you had a lot of you had a lot of movement up and down that coastline and Mahone Bay by that time like for the revolution was well known by the British. They had traveled up and down there to attack Lewisburg in the 1740s and they had done it again in the 1750s and you know the fall of Lewisburg in what was it 1758 I mean they knew the coastline well Mm -hmm. so he he was wealthy yes I'm not so sure he found the treasure because I think it was moved I think it was moved before he actually got there personally but um so there's another there's because there's more there's more to the story about about the templars and the sinclair family and, and everything else so you've we've talked about the fella up in new ross that talks it gives them all the information about the about the ironwork.
1: Oh, the Carmen Leg! He's my favorite, and I. Oh, hey, he's the most Nova Scotia How's guy. How's it going?
0: How I survive build the
2: builds of boat. I survive <laughs> the builder.
0: How's, How's it going How's it going? How's it going? Oh, well, hey, are you boys. aware that New Ross has is, has a foundation of a castle there? No, no. There, so this is another another part of the Saint Clair story, and the Interesting. Templars, the later Templars, is that they they moved everything up the Gold River up to New Ross, and they they built the foundation of this of this uh, settlement is still there so one of the early episodes they went to new ross and checked it out but you know it had a had a well and everything else there but it didn't really they didn't really develop that story too much yeah anyway i i think we have to be careful with with samuel ball because he was getting a, a pension from the from the british government he was the keeper of the island so to speak and uh okay yeah, he I mean, special, por- yeah, I mean that's an interesting portion too.
1: Yeah, I mean he was certainly uh you know related to uh, some higher up powers in in the British uh, the British establishment, right? And and No argument. So to have a naval officer's gold gilded button, you know, still in the foundation of his old home on Oak Island maybe isn't that hard because he was probably doing business with them more often than we knew.
0: Correct. Not to mention, you know, Mahone Bay would be safe harbor. In a storm. I mean, you're leaving Halifax or you're approaching Halifax. You're not going to make it. There's a storm brewing up. Mm-hmm. Mahone Bay is a perfect spot to, to pull in for uh, to to get out of the storm. So the British Navy knew Mahone Bay quite well.
1: Yeah, back to Carmen Lake for a second. He's probably one of my favorite characters on the show, only because half the time they need to have uh, subtitles underneath when he's talking because his accent <laughs> is so thick. All right, <laughs> hey boys, but but. What? Who is your favorite cast member? Anyone? Bob?
2: Metal detection expert Gary Drayton.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Him and his Bobby Dazzlers. I bet he nicknamed his penis Bobby Dazzler.
2: (laughs) I don't know why they got to give us his title 10 times an episode. Like, just call him Gary. Hey, here's Gary and his metal detector. Yeah.
1: No. No, no. He's a metal detection expert, Bob. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm if it very says well it on. Aware of that. If, if, if he say, if it says it's on your business card, they have to say it in the script as well. Anything that's on your business card, that guy will read.
0: <laughs> he has got some amazing kit, though. That's just it's crazy. Hey, the can
3: stuff I, with... a quick question? Uh, yeah. Gary's not my favorite. I think I think uh, I think Rick is, but that it, I just love his stoic nature. Mm-hmm. But back to Gary for a second. Um, do you? <laughs> When you when you watch him and he gets and he gets excited for something, and you see that beautiful piece of machinery in his hand, does has it made any of you do what I did, which is order a metal detector? So you can go to the <laughs> piece of an old loser.
1: No, I have not ordered a metal detector, but I did think about it.
3: Dude, it looks so fun! It looks incredible. Like the guy's just wandering around with this thing, and it makes a noise, and you're like instantly hooked it's like fishing right that's all it is it's like fishing for really expensive shit maybe yeah like, who knows maybe there's a rolex out there for you and you don't even know it and all you got to do is get a 99 little gary uh gary what's his face thing like, gary, that's all gary
1: the gary drayton special
3: yeah 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 that's all
0: you're gonna need. be the, i'm gonna be the old guy at rito acres going around the whole campground with my with my metal
1: detector <laughs> getting some
0: top pocket
1: finds here i but love that, a good... it it
3: explained it it explained to me why so many old people love metal detecting and i'm like <laughs> then, it, and then all of a sudden i was like oh my god i'm old i love yeah. metal detecting too it's a sign
1: <laughs> well hey anyway, man it's like you get your carlsberg years and then your metal detecting years shortly thereafter <laughs> <laughs> uh, so all right so you're going with gary drayton you're with rick you're uh, uh, you would no, say I'm,
3: yeah i'm a rick guy i watched him cry in the in the finale i know uh and he's such a big softy and you know and you called him a dreamer when we were talking yeah. about him once and, and i think he's he's just righteous i think he's like uh and then listen dude's got to be like 65 70 years old he's strapping on the fucking knee pads he's getting in the mud he's yeah. pulling pottery out of a swamp going here you go. Here's another one. And he's just as excited as everybody else, but you can't tell. That's why I love
1: him. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's my favorite, too. He, actually, my dad and Rick, every time we're watching, and my wife, she tries not to watch Oak Island, but sometimes she falls into the trap, right? And she'll be just, every time he comes on the screen, she's like, oh my God, it's your dad. He'll be crying over something. And she's like, oh my God, it's your dad. <laughs> uh, Kent, what about you? Who's your
0: fave? I got to go with the Billy the Excavator. He's my favorite, dude. He's, he's. <laughs> He he's just there for the show. I mean yeah. he knows how to run everything. Oh yeah. You want. Yeah, you know, yeah, no problem. I'll just scrape that a little bit here a little bit there. And uh, but he could
3: sh- literally be four thousand below zero and he'd be in shorts too,
2: right? Yeah, <laughs> the yeah he's a shorts yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with that, eh, Chris?
1: <laughs> no, no, not at all. Nothing at all.
2: Shorts year round.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, like I I find him to be just a fat again, you want to talk about thick East Coast accents, he's got one of those too. And and he's just oddly misshapen, as well. Like from his haircut to the top of his head to his his body, he's just very oh, he looks very.
3: Looks like SpongeBob SquarePants, dude. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah it I knew so I. I blue noser.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: can, can I ask a question? Sure. Can I ask a question for the panel. I know it's your show. Hi, I'm Dean. Thanks, everybody. Hi, Dean. Welcome. <laughs> um, I want I have a question, and and I'll start with Kent because he he referenced it earlier, how he thinks it's been moved. Do you think they're chasing after nothing do you think there's anything Mm -hmm. down
0: there i i think the bulk of it was moved there might some there might still be some remnants there but i think the bulk of it was moved and i think that's what the young lads found um but then there's the question of why would you fill it all back in again if uh if you were trying to uh if you had already removed it so there's that piece as well so i think there's bits and pieces i think whatever mechanism they had they were able to to get in take some out because that would make sense for a bank you know yeah so
1: that's that's been my theory is that it is it's been because of the amount of evidence in different timelines not all of it is people looking for the treasure It, it all it doesn't quite all add up yet i feel like there it was some sort of rudimentary stash or bank that somebody maybe the templars maybe someone else could go to and make a deposit and store stuff or a withdrawal or whatever, right? Um, and that there was maybe some sort of trick to getting through the booby traps or maybe there was a back door or something that they could have gone into. Is that too crazy or?
0: I don't think it's too crazy. The Templars had things like that in a lot of their tunneling systems in some of their castles. In, well, they were great tunnelers
1: too. That's another piece of evidence, right?
0: And they were. That's so, and so I would, I would come back to, I think, a lot of it, i think a lot of it was moved maybe not all of it Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think there's some mechanism to get in and out of it which of course has been been uh, lost to us in time and the uh, the other thing i wanted to bring up was this the cocoa fiber It's an interesting they haven't picked up on i'm surprised they haven't talked about it and and again but the romans used cocoa fiber in the mediterranean for building their roads and building other other devices Hmm. uh the templars used it in uh in in uh, the Mediterranean to mix with their concrete to uh, to build their uh, their castles, and uh, so it's 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 a piece of material that was well known to engineers of of the time. So it's interesting that it would show up in North America in that in, so in a very hmm. in a very interesting engineering marvel in my in my opinion. But uh, but anyway, on, to answer your question, Dean. It's like I, I would like to think there's still something there, and maybe there is still something quite significant. I just hope it hasn't been destroyed by the, uh, yeah. you know, the the numerous digs, and numerous attempts. I mean, they're still bringing bits and pieces of things up. Like the the leather binding is is fascinating to me. You know, if it is Templar, they would keep records. They'd have they would have books
1: they would have ledgers yeah oh, yeah of
0: well the didn't treasure. they find i believe they
3: found like um part of a ledger book or part of a binding of a binding ledger book. yeah Did they think yeah. so yeah yeah so you know and that <clears throat> if you think about where the where the treasure was <clears throat> or where you think it might have been then are you saying that they had some kind of uh system of levers and pulleys to be able to pull up this thing yeah. Yeah. take yeah. out what they wanted and put in put back in what they wanted Absolutely. That is fucking fascinating. Like yeah.
1: national treasure.
3: Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think it. Yeah,
3: but it was a it, you used Oak Island like a bank almost, which yeah. would explain why they put so much fucking work into it. It kind of would, would explain, you know, the, the rock pilings and the cribbings, the old cribbings that they found this year too, you know. Um, the fact
1: just, that they had a forge built on the island.
3: Yeah. Well, I think several. Like yeah. that's what we're finding out. It wasn't just one forge, right? They had several forges built.
1: Yeah. I mean, we would have to. Yeah. What could you be building that you need? Several forges, oxes, ox shoes, a giant port, a a cobblestone road that all, and, and, and let's, we haven't even talked about the ship yet. I mean, there's a ship. I I mean, we can all agree there, there's, there's for sure a fucking ship buried in that swamp,
0: right? Like,
2: pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And it's not a man made swamp, it's a natural feature.
0: Oh, no, it's man made. (laughs) Yeah. Uh
2: you missed <laughs> the episode well the one that uh the one episode they mentioned the sea levels come up a meter uh every hundred years or something so as the sea level is going to come up sediment's going to rise in the swamp
1: right? interesting mm-hmm.
2: well I, does, does anyone here watch off. the the spin-off uh drilling down Yep. Yeah. yeah have you watched the most recent one where they talk about the upcoming season
1: baby was crying i was trying to watch it but
2: <laughs> anyway they the handrail they find in the swamp they may say it they say it may be a wash in like it come it may have come in from the ocean and settled in the swamp and th- that's when they bring up vikings again because they say that may be from a viking mm. ship but i don't think so i think there's a ship in that swamp because it was a port yeah it should be a port that's why there's a roadway there
1: so the theory but i don't think
2: it was man-made i think it was natural feature and that's why- different people over the years have used oak island for different purposes
0: okay but what you're saying bob is like yes there was a, there was an opening there where ships could come in but then it was closed off
2: hmm. yeah so, uh, at one point in time they needed a road across there so yeah, they just... so
0: they they created the block and that's what created the swamp
2: yeah because yeah, right. i mean the, the one uh structure they found last year actually went right under the road that's right or, yeah under the man-made road yeah. So, obviously, that structure was there long before the swamp was there. Or mm-hmm. that the new road, I should say. Like but by
0: close, yeah. But by closing it off, they created a, a man-made feature.
1: Yeah.
3: Well, and, right,
0: but they never it, did it, say when that road swamp, was that
3: like, when be, it was closed off. Right, but that used to be open water, is what we're saying. Like right, right at that yeah. point uh, where where the eye is at the top of the triangle, that man-made rock eye. Um, if you work your way back and all the stuff they're finding underneath the road, it make I, I think, I think we all agree with what we're saying. We're just saying it differently that um, that was open water at that point. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's why when they uncovered that road and they found the cribbing and they realized that that road was probably to offload and to push things up the Hill. Yeah.
1: Um,
3: they were putting boats on that. they like, they were parking boats right next to it. Right. They were mooring boats there. So that had to have been open at some point.
0: Yeah. I I, I agree. Yeah. And you know, you look at the timelines, the the furthest in, so near the eye, where that road goes up and then cuts across that they've now established, I would say that's probably one of the early roads, uh, from the the lining on the uh on on the side of the what's now the I guess the one part of the swamp that would have been sort of the I guess part of the port or the dock. Yeah. And then and then as, as it filled in, uh, if they did drop a ship in there, or whatever the hell's in there, but as it filled in, they had to move the road. So we're, that's what I'm talking about, years of work here that's been put into place. And then the extension of that wharf into, that goes, you know, the, the road's over top of it now, but yeah. it keeps going out into the ocean. So as the tide comes and goes, you know, you've got, you've got the ability to bring a ship closer or you have to bring it further back but that's why they needed that road to bring all the cargo onto the... Yeah, onto yeah. The
1: yeah. I just, uh, I really was, that was a big disappointment that they, were, they weren't able to prove that there was a ship in that that swamp this season. I, and I know they're going to, I I in my heart of hearts know they're going to prove it probably next season uh, or soon because...
3: Don't you find, though, that sometimes when we say stuff like that about this show, like, um, I was really excited for the big dig this summer. All oh, COVID yeah. COVID hit. And, and, and you're excited to see if they find treasure every show. They don't find treasure. It kind of stop. It, it has sort of stopped being about the treasure. For for me, it has. Yeah. Like, it, 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 it's not about if they ever find a goblet or, you know, a <laughs> crucifix of Jesus or three million pounds of silver, that's great. It's almost like a fucking bonus. Yeah. But, you know, the history that they're uncovering <clears throat> and the, and the kind of work, the mental work that goes into trying to figure out the engineering, as they're trying to explain it. And, and here's what a show like that does for guys like us. Right. All of us have have started watching, you know, spin-off shows. We've started reading about it. We have started going back in history. Like I watched Curse of Oak Island with my computer in my hand to go back through certain dates to look up. What did ox shoes look like? You know, Templar roads. How were they built? um now i'm gonna thanks to kent who's just destroyed my the rest of my evening <laughs> I'm start reading about viking influence in that area over the next you know a uh, couple of days because i get fascinated by this stuff right like it, it's the uncovering of the history but as as kent said it's also the engineering that went yeah. into this it, yeah. it's, it's also you know like they're finding pieces of, of glass I'm, I'm fascinated by how stupid this is too. Yeah. Finding pieces of pottery all over the road i'm like what the fuck did these guys do before they left just throw their dishes on the ground and split yeah. like that, you know, to me that those, those are, those are questions that I have in my head that, that kind of filled the, the story in And as we fill the story in and we find out more, I find that the treasure becomes less relevant.
1: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. It's, it's more so the artifacts and, and uh, the story of the whole thing, uncovering again, the who done it that we've explored a ton here tonight. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many different threads that you can cling to and, and none of them have to necessarily be the fact that there's a chest of silver or gold at the bottom of some shaft on the Island. Right. Uh, I think there's, like you say, Dean, there's a bigger picture. There's a much bigger sort of thing at at play that if you look at it from a a grander scheme of things, uh, this is like, this is the best Canadian heritage moment that we could ever possibly have on our television screens. Yeah,
3: without question, especially during a pandemic. Do you know how important Curse
2: of Oak Island new episodes are during the pandemic? Yeah, <laughs> do you have any idea? Hey, you know, when I got home Wednesday that's... morning and I couldn't download the latest episode, I was so upset.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you, you cling know, to yeah. these things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's and a good there's... thing there was another episode of Drilling Down to watch, or I would have just gone yeah. into withdrawal. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And and, and you, you form relationships with these guys on the show, too, right? Like, you know, we, we talk about our favorite our favorite characters. Maybe one of my favorite characters on the show hasn't been on the show for years. It's Xena. Um, oh, yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, she's And, deep.
3: and how important a role she plays in this season and in the last season. I'm, and this show has so many different characters, and Bob pointed it out earlier, that come in and out of this show, like, Uh, at the start of the season, this uh, lady was with. She had like a I don't know a protractor and a geometry set, and she was like, "I've drawn all these lines. This is exactly where your treasure is." And you're (laughs) like, "Oh, I'm gonna get so excited now because the treasure!" But so you never. I find that I have to temper myself watching the show. Yeah. Because I never want to get my hopes up, and and I watch it like it's a suspenseful show now too. Right, every time they're digging something up. and and i don't know if it's if it's the odds of of them finding something that keeps me coming back i know that the the extreme interest i have in history keeps me coming back right but it's just such a well-done program the way that they 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 keep you gilled and 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 locked in every week to see if you're gonna find this treasure but like like i said earlier it's it's not about that i'm happy with a piece of leather that was 500 years old that you didn't even look like a piece of leather you know what i mean yeah yeah
0: they could be somebody's false teeth
2: (laughs) (laughs) hey everything on oak island is speculation until three people have the same idea and then it's fact there we go it's like that trade weight you know, they all had speculation about it, but now it's all of a sudden a precious metals trade weight.
1: It's That's a true. Fact.
2: Yeah. It's a precious metals trade weight. Not it, it couldn't have been Samuel Ball weighing cabbage, you know, like <laughs> it,
0: it could have been his snuff jar.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's why the well, British what? Navy was there. They were ripping lines with Samuel Ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, know, but, you know, so we, we talk about these little bits and pieces that come up. You remember when they found the, uh, the the other little the oh it's the end of a swagger stick it's the end of a drill case oh it's yeah, the yeah. End of a, and going it was the end of a lipstick case I mean, <laughs> I mean even, yeah. the, you never heard of it again they completely just dropped the but yeah. uh, I want I'd like to go back to uh, to the whole idea of how much work this is how many people it would have taken to do the work and the fact that that many people we have very little evidence on the island at all that these people were there yeah and it was like it just amazes me how well they either got rid of their garbage uh you know and, and et cetera et cetera and even even the samuel balls area i mean they're not finding a lot of a lot of refuse that would normally be in a you know a, sort of a farmer's yard yeah uh, as yeah. such so a lot of burning must have went on but you know i just i just this is where i come back to the whole idea of it had to be an organization that kept its secrets very well because there's absolutely no records of anybody being in Mahone Bay at that time frame ever. Uh, even like I was saying to you earlier, Henry Hudson, when he had his first uh, uh, trips across the Atlantic, he yeah. went very close to that area uh, before hitting the, the uh, Verrazano Straits. And, you know, he could have, he could have gone in there and, and fixed the mast of his ship at one time uh but at the end of the day no one talks about it there's yeah. no written record at all yeah zero
1: that's the first time that really that anyone really had heard of oak island for anything notable was the discovery of the money pit originally and that first shaft that they dug and, and other than that there's no real history to the place it's pretty unnotable um you're right Kent. and guys we got to wrap this up it's almost been an hour and uh and and trust me i could talk oak island forever yeah. Hey, listen, Uh,
0: I just,
3: I know it's time to wrap up because Bob now has his cat in his lap.
1: (laughs) It's nighttime for, what's your cat's name, Bob?
2: This is my 25 pound cat, Finnegan.
1: All right. Finnegan. It's a big ass cat.
2: Could it be a cat or is that, uh, could it be,
1: (laughs) could it be a cat? Oh, lastly, before we go, can we all agree? Jack Begley is the most fucking annoying character on the show though.
0: Yes. All I want to say every time is shut up, Jack. Just shut up. <laughs> shut the
3: fuck poor, up, Jack. Poor Jack Begley. Hey? No.
1: Yeah, you poor feel Jack bad Begley. for him?
3: All he's ever done is dig on the sifting table and go, wow, wow. <laughs> and there you are ripping him a new one and he's probably making 250 grand a year. So he's an executive
1: producer. Day. You see his name in the credits. He's executive producer. He's probably making a ton.
3: Oh, father's yeah. money millions that's the biggest show on cable television yeah if we you, you dude you think we're nerding out and we don't want to t- and that's the crazy part too like i love talking about oak island with anybody that, that'll listen to me and and generally speaking the only people that watch it are not my age yeah. so you know it's it, it's a little bit weird but at the same time you know it's such a big show but nobody talks about it because they are like i don't i don't i don't watch shows like that and you're like i love that show i fucking love
0: that show uh- Smart guys. I mean, they've got A and E and history and all those. I mean, they're pumping money into this. How do you get that? All those big. I mean, Irving for crying out loud, and those big tube slammer, the you know slab and tomb down there. Yeah, that that piece of kit is worth Brazilian dollars.
2: Oh Oh, yeah, the show's a cash cow now. So well, they sure they're That was what what I
3: thought this year when they had the pandemic. I'm like, all they're gonna do is just look through shit, and they did all. That's all they did is sift through stuff and probably make 110 million bucks like yeah. they don't i and i'm that's the other thing if i'm those guys i'm just going to keep digging for another 20 years and just kind of hope to find something like like the motivation for these guys is gone but that's why i love the show so much right Yeah. They, they're getting rich and they, they were rich before they did it and they're still emotional about uncovering the history that they're uncovering. It's really cool.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and to even see the buildings on the island—how it started with this little tiny visitor center, and now they've got the museum, and they've got the war room, and they've got the this and the that. Like, I and mean, they're
0: selling Marty's wine out of the gift shop. Are they? Are they really? <laughs> Do they really? That, oh, Marty has so an no, idea. No.
1: oh okay <laughs> i told you
0: i'd spin a story
1: <laughs> fuck yeah you can't tell a Chris, story
2: <laughs> can you turn on screen share for a second
1: screen share oh
2: yeah, yeah. fuck you're a
1: pain in the ass sure bob hang on
2: yeah. well i have a question for you guys before we go okay hang on Who is it share? is it about what to start feeding your cat to make, make sure it, <laughs> it should be
1: long. shareable now bob
2: okay uh no it's about the upcoming season and i want to know what you guys think of this idea uh can you see it yeah holy moly
1: oh is that the thing they want to do to dig down
2: yeah they want to use a tunnel boring machine rather than remove like 190 feet of overburden so they can just drill down at an angle and to 190 feet and go right across
0: bob i'm seeing shades of a uh an episode of Die Hard here. I'm not sure <laughs> which
2: one.
0: I think it's the second movie.
2: Well, this so is a it. screenshot from uh, Drilling Down. Okay. So they're building this for the
3: island? This is something that they're going to do? Or is this just like a hey, we put this together. This is
2: something we're thinking of doing? I don't remember if it was Rick or Marty that came up with this suggestion, but this is one thing rather than spending all the money, removing all that overburden, just tunnel down. And because uh, it, it removes its own uh waste because they, they use conveyor belts and stuff so they don't have to worry about all that they just keep tunneling if they miss it five feet they turn around and they move over five feet like can, you,
0: can you imagine what that would do to any sort of historical
2: documentation yeah, or artifact? The, yeah. the holy Look, grail shakespeare's uh, <laughs> manuscripts oh <laughs>
1: yeah the holy grail got shredded sorry guys (laughs) yeah
2: i didn't think of that idea
0: but yeah Yeah, yeah. Yeah. well crown jewels of france are now
3: uh, i don't
1: know what they are now that was fascinating though bob Hey, good
3: you know what the good news is all that dirt that thing kicks on a conveyor belt will keep jack begley that little fucker busy for a long
1: time (laughs) (laughs) all right we'll end things on that note thank you so much for our panel tonight and could it be Oak Island Roundtable, Dean Blundell from, yes, DeanBlundell.com, our podcast network host here for the podcast. Kent Stewart, retired major of the Canadian Forces, and also Bob from Midland, Ontario, also hey, known no, as Bargain Bob or Man in a Van Bob. We've had a few nicknames. Historical
2: nick- Penitent. Historical Penitent. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because someone posted on Facebook today that they found some cannonballs from the War of 1812. Yeah, um, you would it's true we had a uh, we do have a military base here but like where's your substantiating evidence saying that's what it is like it was a harbor during the war of 1812 well yeah exactly it was okay all right uh, we'll do a
1: whole other podcast where ken (laughs) where ken tells us the history of the harbor of (laughs) penitent it's actually very
2: interesting i had to do a paper in university
1: on that did you really that's hilarious
2: oh there's lots of history here chris
1: well, maybe uh, now that I'm moving to Barrie in uh, June, I'll come up and spend some more time up there. How about that? Sounds good. Okay. we
2: got to do this again before the next season starts.
1: Yeah, maybe before the premiere of the next season, we'll have a reunitation and we'll uh, spin more, more theories and see what else shakes out between then and now. I'm going to follow and, the – And
3: do me a favor, guys. Listen, uh, I want everybody to get out there. I want everybody to get a metal detector. <laughs> and, and what we're going to do is we're going to go to the beach this summer, all four of us. We're going to figure out a place, at the time. We're gonna Penetang, and we're going to go up to Penetang. We're going to look for cannonballs. Yeah, and we're going to go back to Bob's house and feed his cat.
1: <laughs> that sounds like and- a blast. <laughs> uh, all right, gents. Well, in the spirit of Oak Island, let's get after it. All right. Have a great night, everyone.
2: Thanks, Have guys. A good, one, guys. good talk. To you. Pleasure, gents. A pleasure. I'm going to
1: Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast.